Hi, my name's Stephen Crafty and I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University and I'm interviewing someone who trained as an engineer. His name's Ross Harding and he is Principal of Finding Infinity and it's a program uh, with Design Week coming up very shortly, 26th of March. He's, he's put together this wonderful program. Welcome to Talking Design, Ross. Thank you very much for having me. Ross, you're not an architect, but you're an engineer and you trained, your focus was sustainability. Tell me a little bit about your interest because the program you put together uh, for Design Week is very much based on sustainability. Um, yeah, so, um, well, my father was an engineer and I've got two, two older brothers that are architects and I um, thought it was a bit boring to have a third architect in the family, so I became an engineer, but always had a strong interest in architecture. Um, but yeah, I basically worked for about 14 years in um, uh, environmental consulting in one way or another. Um, in Melbourne or overseas? Um, worked in, um, grew up in Adelaide, um, uh, worked in Sydney, then moved to London. Um, uh, so before Sydney, I studied in Stockholm for a bit. And then after London, I quit my job jumped on a cargo ship, moved to Mexico for a couple of years. And then after that, I was in Berlin for two and moved back to Melbourne in about 2014. So tell me about Finding Infinity, about the practice. What is the underlying premise of Finding Infinity for those who haven't heard of you? We, um, I guess, I mean, it, it kind of it depends who I'm talking to on how we explain it because we kind of do a, a number of different things. But... Um, one way of looking at it is that we're kind of, um, in some ways, environmental extremists in the sense that we're always targeting extremely ambitious targets on every project we work on, but we do it in a really um, uh, technical and financial way. So we try and we, we see the sort of pragmatics of this stuff, not purely just the sort of um, the need to do it. Um, of course, we're passionate about the environment, but I find people don't really listen to you when you just talk about it, the topic emotionally, purely. So we really um, try and find a win-win-win situation on a sort of technical, financial and environmental perspective on things. Um, so, but also, we really come at it from a, quite a creative way. So I think that only half of the challenge is the technical, financial side of things. And so we actually um, tend to approach projects in a sort of out-of-the-box way, looking at things in a sort of creative and cultural way at the same time. So, Ross, you know, give me a couple of examples in Australia um, or even overseas that have really, that people would perhaps know about. They might know the name Finding Infinity, but they would know of the project. What's something local that you feel people um, they know about, but they don't know a lot about it or the background? Um, yeah, good question. I mean, probably the most well-known things I've done um, were, I mean, one Australian project was basically um, b before I started finding Infinity, so it was really a, another engineering firm. But my, my, my first project that I worked on as like a 22-year-old graduate was um, Central Park, Sydney. With oh, sort yes. of Norman Foster and John Nouvelle. So I was sort of the, the kind of um, little uh, number cruncher on that project, basically calculating hourly data on all kinds of consumption across uh, 11 buildings with a 3D model. And um, understood at quite a young age, I sort of almost felt like I had a sixth sense for 
um, what a city might consume as that was a city block. So, um, and then we, I spent sort of two years working on that, researching in a quite a practical, um, you know, way in terms of what we can apply every piece of tech possible to try and um, uh, create a sort of self-sufficient site um, in, a, in a financially viable way. But, yeah, other, other – sorry. You, no, no, you keep um, Our other projects I've worked on over the years, like we've been working with a ski resort in Switzerland for a long time, Larks. Um, it's probably the sort of arguably the most sustainable ski resort in the world. Um, we've worked with a, a hotel group in Germany called Design Hotels for a long time, um, helping them on their sort of corporate social responsibility strategies. But we've been – we're sort of working on lots of projects around the place in Melbourne at the moment, sort of from – um, some are in construction, some are in design. Um, but yeah. and, and generally with the goal of making them more sustainable, more efficient, things that perhaps, you know, they don't really need, it could be the materials they source, whatever. Yeah, well, I, I guess there's this kind of sort of typically the way we talk about um, environmental design on projects is ESD, environmentally sustainable design, but um, I noticed when I came back to Australia in 2014, it had a bit of a bad stigma about it, you know, rating systems and box ticking exercises. And it felt to me that, you know, when I left Australia in the first place, it was, a, it was really doing ambitious things. And I came back and it felt like the industry was a bit bored by it. And so I made a conscious effort to sort of do the opposite. And so instead of doing minimum compliance on projects, we always target maximum performance. So sort of um, how can we work with architects and developers to try and help people do as much as possible in a financially viable way um, uh, beyond these minimum codes and requirements? And it's, it's quite interesting what we found over the years. I mean, basically, we find on almost every single project, you can go 100% renewable, water neutral, and zero waste um, using initiatives that cost sort of eight to 10% more in terms of capital cost of the project. And they tend to pay for themselves within about 10 years or less. So it's, it's quite a logical proposition really. So um, Ross, given, you know, design, Melbourne Design Week is shortly going to be with us. How did you actually come up with the idea for um, a new normal? I mean, you know, it was a word that COVID kind of became a new normal. So I suppose that was you probably, it's not a new word. I think people are kind of very familiar with it. How did the, how, how did COVID kind of, uh, kind of, how did, did that connect to anything that you were thinking of for Design Week or was it just a good term and that people would respond to? Uh, it's funny, actually. Um, uh, we've, we called the project the new normal about two, two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. So That's well before, before COVID. COVID. Well, well before COVID. Well before COVID. Two, probably two years before COVID, or well, you know, at least a year and a half before COVID. Yes. So, so we basically, um, and the reason for it was, I mean, I, in a sense, what we found on projects was we um, were advising all of these sort of projects on doing these ambitious environmental strategies, but lots of them were not getting implemented. And it's like for the kind of, you know, probably 150 different projects we've worked on, you know, in, over a couple of years that would demonstrate these logical numbers, hardly any of it was getting implemented, at, you know, it, it, to, the, to the state that we thought would, would, you know, be logical. 
So um, we just decided, it was actually Ewan McEwan from NGV invited me to um, do a talk about um, uh, the city, what, what we could do to the whole city. And so we just started running numbers on transforming um, all of Greater Melbourne um, into a completely self-sufficient city, so 100% renewable, water neutral and zero waste. And um, we, the reason we gave the strategy the name The New Normal yeah, was independent of COVID, it was that we actually um, wanted to normalise it. And I think this is the thing is that we didn't... I find that it's ridiculous that we think it's okay to do these sort of construction projects that cause so much damage and call them sustainable when they might be 10% better than the worst thing that's going on. <laughs> and so it's, it's like, just lip service. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, doing, doing, you know, chucking a couple of solar panels on, on the, you know, in the corner of the building, avoiding the lift overrun and, you know, the, the sort of the services um, doesn't mean your project doesn't have a negative impact. And, and what we found is that it is, it's, it's possible and it's profitable to create projects that have no negative impact, even more so it's, 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 uh, it's possible to create buildings that give back. And so what we found was that we needed to not radicalise this anymore. It's really important not to see this as something that is, um, you know, I, I quite often like to just, you know, just can the word sustainability and even innovation. The, the construction industry doesn't really like innovation. They like talking about innovation, but actually the construction industry is really risk averse and they want to make sure everything is tried and tested and really, you know, certain and, and, and guaranteed. And so the way we approached the project was to not come up with anything new. But to, but to look at what was going on around the world in other cities and, and question if we copied and pasted all of these profitable initiatives that are currently happening around the world and we applied them to Melbourne now, how much would it cost and how much space would it require and what would the outcome be? Right. Um, Ross, I was going to ask you, you know, you've got a number of leading architects in Melbourne who are contributing uh, to this um, program, to this schedule for the for Design Week, how did you actually choose the architects? Was it were they at the forefront of? Um, I don't want to use the word sustainable, but um, uh, the new normal or you know, ideal practices. I mean, how did you choose the architects to start with? Um, well, so so yeah, did you just the... open it up to invites what, or what? We what happened was we. We'd, we'd basically written this report and we did this, we'd written a strategy and we were going to basically host it. After doing a talk of about two years ago at Design Week, we were supposed to organise a workshop at Design Week a year ago. And we were trying to get all the key decision makers in the city to come together to ask the question, why not? You know, if, it, if, it, if it's possible, technically, if it's profitable, why, why not do this? But we felt that it was kind of boring what we were proposing. It was a it was a technical strategy, and who cares about a strategy? That's no one's going to do it. No one's going to read the report. No one's going to implement it. So, what we um, did was we worked with uh, like you know lots of architects around town, and we just called them up and invited them over for dinner. <laughs> so um, you know, like most of the guys, they're all friends, um, one way or another, and we made a decision to invite people that were, we, we can always improve, but we tried to get a sort of a range of different firms. So 
We tried to go big and small, conservative, progressive, and and you know, sort of tr- trying to trying to create a mix of different firms, not all a, a monotone group. And we invited them over for dinner, told them what we were doing, and then basically um, asked them all if they would like to pretty much pull together a render to help visualize the strategy. And one thing led to the next, and that night I watched a room of 15 architects. Um, turn, it went from our project at Finding Infinity to this collective group all decided, let's do this thing. <laughs> so if we look at some of the people involved, you've got Claire Cousins, you've uh-huh. got uh, Fender Katsalides, mm-hmm. uh, you've got Edition Office, you've got Nigel Bertram from NMBW, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, who were some of the others in the mix? So the, uh, Grimshaw. Um, That's right. Uh, G for Greenaway, Greenaway Architects, um, Greenshoot Consulting, Hassel, Fool's Cap, um, as you mentioned, Fender Cats Lees, um, John Waddle Architects, um, HA, uh, Openwork, uh, Mark Jakes, Nigel Bertram, as you mentioned, NMBW. Um, then there's Edition Office Dreamer, uh, Kennedy Nolan, and Fieldwork. Oh, and Six Degrees and Woe Woe. So it's, it's, as you said, it's a mixture between the larger practices such as Grimshaw and the smaller practice such as Ha Architecture. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and in terms of, you know, these architects, have they been working, you know, have they been working in that specialist uh, sustainable area for a number of years or is it something they're uh, just really interested now to pursue in greater detail and greater, you know, depth? I, I think that, um, it, and, yeah, the, the simple answer is a mixed bag, um, but actually that was part of the decision-making was that I think sometimes people feel like if they want to in, engage in the topic of sustainability, they need to be basically Jesus Christ and they need to be perfect about everything. And, and it's sort of um, that's not, that, that's not going to get us anywhere. We need to make it accessible for everyone. And it's, it, you know, it, it, it's the, it, we all need to take care of the environment and we all need to be considerate of it and it affects us all. And so um, we wanted to in, in work with a group of people that not, you know, not to say these guys are the best in, in, by any means. Some of them are incredible at it. Some of them are, are still learning. And, and so we wanted to sort of like, and, and to me, it's been really exciting working with all these guys and sort of watching that process unfold. I mean, if we look at some of the cases, you've got addition office and they have a workshop that, that's their suggestion where you bring found ob- or, you know, used objects and you recycle them, you upcycle them. And so it's, it's zero waste or minimal waste. So that's an interesting idea. It's not a particularly new idea. But it's a great idea because I think that's a very strong direction at the moment, not just in, in architecture, but also fashion, decorative arts, right through. It's very strong. I mean, I'd actually have to um, uh, slightly disagree with you, Ross, in terms of how, well, this is my interpretation of how things are going at the moment, but I think there's a real um, interest in, in sustainable issues more than ever now. Um, oh, yeah. And I think it's, I don't know how it compares worldwide, but I can only go by Australia's approach. And I mean, things like Green Square are obviously a very strong starting point. But I do think people are becoming, you know, even just their everyday lives are becoming much more thoughtful about, you know, recycling and reworking things rather than just dispensing all the time. 
hundred percent. I when I commented on that, that was when I first moved back to Australia oh, yes. back in two thousand fourteen. So um, I agree with you now, though. It's like um, you know, it's a hot topic, and everyone's interested. But they, they, you know, they weren't always. And and this is the thing. My father was a, an engineer, and he when I got into sustainability, he said it's a phase. You know, it's like it, he worked through the first um, oil crisis in 1973 and the second one in in 1984, and he said this stuff comes and goes. Yeah. And and in some ways, it it had, you know, it has gone up and down over the years, even in my short career. But um, it keeps getting more and more momentum. <laughs> and I think that it is 100%, you know, building. And I think that it's, it's like widening its audience. And there was a point you mentioned earlier about it's not a new idea. And that's the principle, is that we are often looking for these, we search for blog posts and, and crazy new ideas to solve our environmental problems. Everyone wants a new gadget and a new machine that does a thing that sucks carbon out of the air or does something that, you know, we, we, we've never heard of. The truth is we have all the technology we need right now. We don't need new ideas. We need ways of implementing them. And that's what our project is about, is these are not just ideas. We are trying to build all 15 of these projects and Design Week is our opportunity to launch them. It is an exciting program and um, I wish you well with it. I mean, I think it will be very well attended. And look, people are hungry for ideas at the moment. I think um, it's a bit like the general media. There's a lot out there, but, you know, I think um, people are really hungry for good information and that actually will empower them. And, you know, I think rather than just a few lines, people can actually see and meet the architects talking about the projects and and how they can make a difference, you know, in their own in their own environment. So, um, uh, is there anything that you know people should look out for during that week, uh, Ross? Is there something you'd recommend? I mean, it's even the um, people who who are passionate about this subject who will be attending. What are the highlights for you? Yeah, well, maybe. If it's okay, I'll just take you take you through the space uh, and tell you about all the things if, if you've got time. But, well, tell um, me, tell me a couple of the highlights that you think okay. people are really uh, going to enjoy. The um, well, I, yeah, I do think it's really exciting. All fifteen projects, and this is part of the thing is that it's it's people often ask me that question. You know, which is the most exciting? Which is the project that's going to be built the first? And and these kinds of things. And it's like the to to me. Um, no, no idea is more exciting than the other. That that we are, we're taking over a rooftop of an existing building in in Melbourne. Um, it's one thirty Little Collins Street. Um, Golden Age have kindly um, lent, lent us the space, and um, uh, basically we've all fifteen of the projects. We're building small scale prototypes of them um, a, a, across the rooftop. Um, from Claire Cousins doing an installation. Um, of an induction cooktop to exemplify um, the uh, you know electrification of all architecture and all buildings getting off gas. Um, HA are, are building a um, solar greenhouse to exemplify um, the the end of fossil fuels at um, Latrobe Valley and turning it into a renewable energy agricultural powerhouse. Um, Grimshaw will have a live stream of a um, electric car, like a, an existing Land Rover, being converted to electric. Um, uh, Hassel, we've actually sourced two um, old Nissan Leaf, uh, so like secondhand Nissan Leaf batteries that we'll be powering the entire event with. 
from the um, solar energy that's coming from the HA um, structure and also the John Wardle structure. So John Wardle Architects are building an incredible solar structure um, uh, from, from wood um, and it's basically going to act as a canopy over where all of the talks are being held. Uh, Kennedy Nolan are um, uh, building a beautiful table from cross-laminated timber as an example of um, new architecture. Um, and I can keep going. <laughs> look, I think it is exciting. Look, um, uh, thanks so much for your time, Ross. And look, um, I'm sure it's going to be very successful. And it is a key design week in the year. And, um, you know, it is going to be well attended. So good luck with it. And uh, look, thanks so much for coming onto the program today. Thank you very much for having me. Great to chat to you. All right. Thanks so much, Ross. You've been listening to Stephen Crafty. Talking Design is produced by RMIT University and brought to you in partnership with Melbourne City Council. If you'd like to stay up to date with all things Talking Design, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at talkingdesign underscore.